First, we'll be reading from Proverbs 12 and then from Proverbs 14. So from Proverbs 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 28. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. And from chapter 14, let's go to verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. At the beginning of each year, for the last several years, we've returned to the book of Proverbs. And we're moving through basically from the beginning to the end, but we do skip around some. And this will be our final sermon from the book of Proverbs. And we've, we're going to look at some selected Proverbs that have to do with life and death. There's a lot in Proverbs that is helpful for us when we consider these matters. And when we think about those that we miss who've died recently or maybe even not so recently. And I also want to be sensitive to the fact that when we have these memorial services, we're recognizing specifically those who have passed away in the previous year. But I know that uh, there are many people that loom large in our lives who have died uh, much longer ago, sometimes decades ago. uh, And their lives and deaths have shaped us. Uh, So those are important as well. If we were to take the time to remember everyone who has died that has impacted our lives, uh, it would be a very lengthy service indeed. Death gives us an uncomfortable opportunity to consider life. We don't think about death all that often in our culture of busyness. And the flip side of that is we actually don't often think about life either. So if I were to pop quiz you and bring you up here in front of everyone and say, what does it mean to live? What would you answer? You had to give an answer this morning. What does it mean to live? Is it just having a pulse and a heartbeat? I think we we know that that's a, a very rudimentary understanding of living is just being physically alive But what does it mean to live? What does it mean to do this life well? Does it have to do with our hobbies and our careers and the things we do? Is that what living is? It's an important question because these individuals that we've recognized, their experience last year of dying is not something foreign to us. We are standing in the same line. They were just further ahead. Either Jesus Christ will return or we will face our final day. So it's important to think about life while we're living it. What is this? What are we doing? When I was in high school as a senior and then my first couple of years in college, my friends and I would take a trip to Florida to Clearwater where one of my friend's parents lived, and that would be our spring break trip, and we would go down there. And I don't know what you might picture when you think about your pastor going on spring break to Florida. Probably you picture something pretty boring. And you're right, and it's probably even more boring than what you could imagine. Especially our final trip, we went, and my friends, 
brought their computers, like desktop computers, and set them up and connected them to each other so that they could play Warcraft the entire week. We drove all the way to Clearwater, Florida to stay inside with the curtains drawn so it didn't produce glares on the computer screens so they could play World of Warcraft. I wasn't into World of Warcraft. I didn't have any of that, so I didn't have anything to do. In my mind, we wasted it. We could have done that at home. We didn't need to drive hours to Florida to do that. We wasted it. There were things unique to the experience of being in Florida together that we could have done, that we should have done. And then you know how it goes when you're on vacation. Monday seems, if if it's a Monday through Saturday trip, Monday seems like you've got all the time in the world for this vacation. Tuesday still seems like we've got our whole weeks ahead of us. And then Wednesday, it's like, oh man, it's Wednesday? And then Thursday is, we got to start packing up tomorrow? And Friday's a blur and then you're back home. Our lives are the same way. You know, some of you in here are younger than others, and your life stretches out before you. And being as old as I am is unimaginable. Being as old as some of the others in here is is even more unimaginable. And so your days pass, and you, you feel as though you've got plenty of time to figure life out. And you'll talk to older folks, and they'll say, it goes by so fast. Younger Couples, younger families that have young children, what do older folks tell you every time they see you with your young children? Enjoy this. It goes so fast. And they're right. You know, there's been mathematical studies done on this phenomenon. You know, when you're younger, when you're, let's say you're 15, one year is one-fifteenth of your life. And that's a pretty big ratio. So it seems kind of luxurious. When you're 50, one year is one-fiftieth of your life. So one year seems to go by that much more quickly. The older you get, the, the faster it goes, the faster it goes. Your perception makes it seem faster. And in, in contrast to your life experience, it is faster. It goes faster, faster, faster. And the next thing you know, you'll be like me and my friends at the end of our Florida trip. Oh, man, it's ending. It's ending. I never got around to it. I never got around to doing the things unique to this experience of being alive in this world that I was supposed to do. So here, as we recognize and remember those who died last year, we have a great opportunity to stop. You're busy people, I'm sure, but now you're stopped. The Lord has brought you here to a place where you're stopped. You have to stop, and you have to listen to me. It would be rude for you to get up and walk out. You have to stop and think about these things. So what does it mean to live? If it's more than having a pulse, what does it mean to truly live? Proverbs has a lot to say about life and death. Life, live, death, die. These words are mentioned in Proverbs almost 80 times in 31 chapters. It's all throughout the book of Proverbs. Sometimes it has to do with literal living and literal dying, but more frequently it has to do with quality, quality of life. You know, some of us live our lives as though we are dead. But there's a way to really live. And that's what we're concerned with this morning. And I'll read one, one introductory one as an example. It's one of the ones that Julia read. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. 
In the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there is no death. Proverbs talks a lot about paths. It has a lot to do with our daily decision-making. And with every decision we make, we choose our path through our lives. I've told those who are part of our church who've been here for a while have heard all my stories before, but you remember the one where I was running cross-country and I came in last of all the guys and the girls, like by a long shot? We were at McAlpine Park, and part of the trail was through woods, and I wasn't a great runner, but I wasn't that bad, and I stopped to tie my shoe, and the pack that I had been running with you know, moved on in, in that time, and so I looked up and I started running, and I didn't have anybody alongside me, and I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was on the right path, and then suddenly the grass was getting taller and taller and taller, and then I'm stumbling over a picnic blanket where a family's having a picnic, and I realized I was completely off the path. I wasn't close. I had to backtrack. I had to figure it out. And by the time I crossed the finish line, I could see buses pulling out to go home. And it was really embarrassing. I got off of the path. And now it just gives me a silly story to tell to keep attention during a sermon. It's not a big deal. But what if we get off the path in our lives? What if we get off the path according to the way God has laid it out? And we come to those final breaths. It's going to be way more devastating than my silly story. It's going to be tragic. And with each decision we make, we choose our pathways. So what I'd like to give to you this morning are two warnings and one invitation. And these are just a a beginning point for us to try to find our way in this life in light of God's word. So much more could be said about these things. The first warning, don't follow the loud voice. Don't follow the loud voice. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 9, verses 13 through 18. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 13 through 18. The woman folly is loud. Folly is the opposite of wisdom. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the high places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Don't follow the loud voice. Because woman folly is loud. The way of the fool is loud. The way of the fool is seductive. The way of the fool seems appealing. And the way of the fool is broadcast from prominent places. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive. It knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Many of you, I know, have gone on cruises and gone on trips, and you probably have been to 
a marketplace. It's not anything like our malls that we go to. I, I went to one, the first time I left the country was with a youth group that was part of a mission trip to Jamaica. And one of our excursions during the trip was to a marketplace. And when you're there, people from all the booths are just screaming at you and yelling, come, come, come. They see Americans and they see young Americans who don't understand how to haggle or how to, you know, how to be uh, effective in these marketplaces. And they're just shouting, come, come, come over here, come over here. See, our whole lives are in sort of a marketplace like that where we're bombarded with messages. Come over here, live this way. Live like this. There's many different sources for these messages, one of which is actual advertising, actual marketing. Experts aren't sure, but we receive somewhere between 500 and 5,000 marketing messages a day, depending on how often you're in front of a screen, most likely. We're constantly being shouted out, live like this. This is true life. I have a couple of examples I just wanted to show you. They're not usually this blatant, but... If Tom would go forward to the first picture. You can't really see it. Our projector is getting dim, but this is an advertisement for a beer. And I'm not sure what the beer is, but the advertisement is discover real life. If you can see the full picture, it's a beer being poured into a glass, and that's the foam flying up, and then the, the fizz is forming a bear on a bike. But the, the idea is, Buy this beer, drink this beer, discover what real life is. Now, there's another one that's a little bit more innocent. This is life cereal. Eat life by the bowl full. Now, I know that's just a play on words on the word life, but if you'll watch the commercials that come on TV and watch the sidebars of, of the Internet when you're searching, try to discern what's the promise they're making for all these products. Buy this and you'll really be living. What's the promise in the pages of Coastal Living Magazine and Cottage Living Magazine and Martha Stewart Living Magazine? It's, it's a way of living. These are appealing ways of living. Live these ways. Now, it's not going to be as blatant as what we saw here in Proverbs chapter 9, where it's just clearly an invitation to bad things. It's going to be more subtle, ways off the path. We can't listen to the loudest voice. What's the loudest influence in your life in terms of what determines how you live? It's an important thing to think about. So we don't want to follow the loudest voice. We also don't want to follow, and this is the second warning, don't follow the inner voice. Don't follow the inner voice. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, simply what this proverb means is that this happens. Sometimes a man, a woman, a person will start walking the way that seems right to them. Their gut says this, this feels right. Their intuition says this seems right. And yet, as right as it seems, it ends in death. You know, some people might have heard my first point, don't follow the loud voice and talking about advertising. And we could talk about other voices as well beyond that. And they think, well, I'm not a sheep. I don't just follow what I see or what my friends say. 
I go my own way. I follow my inner voice. My gut. Shel Silverstein captured it in a short poem called The Voice. It goes, There is a voice inside of you that whispers all day long, I feel this is right for me. I know that this, I know that this is wrong. No teacher, preacher, parent, friend, or wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. And that's a prevalent notion. Nobody can tell you what's right or wrong. You decide. You let your heart be your compass. Follow your heart. See, what the Bible teaches is that's actually a really foolish way to live because our hearts are compromised by sin. Early on, when Adam and Eve sinned, it infected the whole human race from there on, and our hearts are not trustworthy anymore. We can't just follow our hearts because there are many ways that seem right in our guts that lead to death. And some of you may have personal experience with this. Have you ever made a decision based on your instincts that proved out to be disastrous? Nobody's ever made bad decisions like that? Okay. Well, you might one day. Our, heart, our hearts are not inherently trustworthy. So we should not follow the loud voice. We should not follow the inner voice. And now the invitation and the close of our sermon is uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 14. Don't follow the loud voice. Don't follow the inner voice. Follow God's voice. Follow God's voice. Proverbs 13, verse 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Now this may, on the first level, just be referring to any teaching of anyone who is wise. If I had more time, I could take you through more breadth of Proverbs to prove out to you. I think really what's behind it, though, is listening to the wisdom of God that's found in his word. When Proverbs uses the word wise, it doesn't mean the wisdom gained by anyone who has lived a long time and has experience in life. When Proverbs talks about wisdom and the wise, it's talking about the ability to live well in light of the reality of God and who he is and what he has said. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. It's a fountain of life. In Psalm chapter 1, you should read it sometime. We won't go there right now, but it likens a human being to a tree. And the human being that sets his roots down deep into the word of God is like a tree that's planted by streams of water. And so that tree is full of life, full of fruit, full of stability. As we try to think clearly about life and death and as we try to navigate our lives in light of the fact that one day we will face death. I invite you to follow God's voice. The same way you would set on your GPS before going to an unfamiliar place. Let God's voice and God's word guide you. And if you will, I can promise you, you will stay on the path of life. You will not turn away to the snares of death. And this is a major aspect of what God does in his people. 
In Ephesians 2, another passage you can read sometime this week, it teaches that we're all spiritually dead, that we're born into a kind of walking, living death. And this death is characterized by going along with the ways of the world, going along by the impulses of our bodies, until, through Jesus Christ, God makes us alive, brings us to life through Jesus Christ, through faith in him as our Savior, forgiving our sins, through allegiance to him as our Lord, following him. Suddenly we're brought to life. This is what's symbolized in baptism, new life. And then, as Christians, with new hearts and new lives, we can live by God's word. That's living. And if we'll live that way on our final day, we will not look back with regret. We will not feel as though we missed it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would make it in our memories crystal clear. That anything obscure to us, you will iron out and clarify. And that each and every one of us would be able, through Jesus Christ and his grace and his power and his mercy, that we would be able to turn away from our paths of death and walk on paths of life with you. And if there's anyone in here that desperately needs a change of path, I pray that you would, through your son Jesus Christ, enable that. Draw us all near to you and help us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.